Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Save big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre-finished engineered siding. It's durable and includes a Sherwin-Williams factory finish paint warranty that means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP Smart Side today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at Menards. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fence side. Inside. It ain't the left side. Thank you, Solo D. Welcome right to another side. episode of On the Fence Side here with Cat and Paul. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and Spotify, all the social media outlets. And also check out our merch store on the com. The Dolphins are playing the New England Patriots in week two of the NFL season in Hard Rock Stadium in Miami. Right now, the Patriots are favored by 19 points. And if, if this line stands, it is the biggest home underdog in 32 years. So the Dolphins setting more records this week, evidently. Um, and if you take a look at historically in the last, in the biggest 15 games in point spread in NFL history, the underdog covered them 12 times. So at least the Dolphins have some hope in that respect. Patriots and Tom Brady are one in five over the last six years in Miami. It's always been a house of horrors for them. The big difference this year, obviously, not much of a pass rush from the Dolphins, especially no Cameron Wake. That's always been a big constant for uh, for Tom Brady going up against the Miami Dolphins. But a lot of news to get to here. And I think the biggest story here, Paul, before we get into some other news is, are the Dolphins going to come into this game embarrassed and motivated by what happened last week against the Ravens, losing 59 to 10? Or talent-wise, continuity-wise, everything going on, are they being brought down to a level where they're just not even ready to compete yet? Hopefully, uh, they, they do respond embarrassed. I mean... Look, I want Miami to have a high draft pick just like everybody else next year, but I, I can't root for this team to flounder and lose. I, I just cannot sit on top of the tank waving a flag. You know, it, it's hopefully they do come out embarrassed and motivated. I mean, it, it's you may see a mixed bag. You'll probably see a mixed bag. And hopefully those guys that are embarrassed and motivated have a Jason Taylor-like rant when he burned Matt Roth with the coffee uh, after the Cleveland game years ago. But 
hopefully they can find ways to motivate the others that are just kind of kicking rocks. Yeah, that's going to be a big storyline here. And another big storyline, too, is as of the time of this recording, Minka Fitzpatrick, not going to necessarily say is on a trade block, but he is available, and he is available, our, our understanding at the time of this recording is for at least a first-round pick. I, the, whether or not the Dolphins end up going lower than that still remains to be seen. But, you know, Paul, I look at this storyline and reports after last Sunday's blowout game said that several players on defense wanted out. We at least know that one of them did, and that was Minka. You know, he he's available via trade, but it looks like it's more in a Laramie Tunzel type of way. I, I don't think they're just going to get rid of him to get rid of him, nor should they. And I can't even believe we're having this conversation here in week two of the NFL season when we thought Minka was going to be a building block for the Dolphins for the next five, ten years. Not only that, it's pretty obvious that Brian Flores was looking at him as a building block. I mean, not since, and, and I hate to keep bringing him up here, but not since Jason Taylor has somebody tried to center their defense around a move piece the way that Brian Flores appears to be doing with Minka Fitzpatrick. And I'm sorry, Rashad Jones, if he was the one that wanted out, great, I understand it. You're, you're a player with a little bit left in the tank that's obviously not part of the long-term rebuild. I get it. But when Brian Flores is basically putting you in a role that you do need to grow into, I mean, granted, you put him at nickel corner and he's awesome. You put him on the boundary, he's awesome. You throw him at free safety and just let him play, he's awesome. But Miami's got this tank of a season to give Minka the chance to grow into this role, which would make him a focal point of the defense and really just probably turn him into an absolute monster where you have to account for him every week, every play, and where the hell is this guy? And instead he just goes, mm, this is hard, and, and, and wants out. You know, shame on you. You're a sophomore player. Don't, don't be that guy. They're building the defense around you. And if that's too much pressure, I'm sorry, you shouldn't be in the NFL. Interesting. I – I have two schools of thought on this. Number one is, yes, I am disappointed in Minka for a different reason, because I don't think it is about being moved around. I think that it is – I'm speculating, but I, if, if you ask me, this is a player who is fed up with being with this organization, and, and here's why I say that. If you go back, to two, go back to 2018 when he was drafted, he falls to the Dolphins at 11 overall. Immediately, the owner – says to the top beat writer in Miami, sends him an email and basically said he didn't want him. That's number one. Then number two, uh, Minka's misused throughout the season as well. He's, he's moved all around the defense, and he said this past offseason that he didn't even know where he was playing from week to week until hours before the game. And now here in 2019, he goes out there against Baltimore, and in this type of role, he's playing in a linebacker role for most of the game. I mean, so th there's that side of it. Um, the other side of it, too, is, look, you're in your second year. You're 22 years old. <laughs> you know, I don't think you have the clout at that point. It, and, look, Minka is a very good player. Is he as a rare player? No, he's no Derwin James uh, from last year. So, in a certain respect, I also think he needs to shut up and do what he's told and work the best that he can. Um, my other part of it, too, is that it, 
I, I get frustrated when I see a talented player like Minka, and it seems like this this new coach is more like, well, it's it's my way or the highway in this system, and I, I don't think that's that should be the case. I, and, and I look at a player like Minka, who has never had a character problem, who's the hardest working guy in the building, who's talented, and I look at Brian Flores and think, I know you're you may be trying to set a culture here, but how can you not work something out? with this talented 22-year-old corner piece? See, I'm not sure Flores got the opportunity. Uh, this almost feels like, you know, Minka, if being this move piece is too hard on him, you know, 99 times out of 100, you walk up to a coach and go, look, coach, you know, I, I can't learn all this or I can't do all of this. Um you know, you can have a conversation with almost any coach worth their salt. I can't, I can't imagine, based on things, because this seems to be right out of left field, that Minka had those important conversations. I'm sorry, you've got – I can't imagine Flores didn't – throughout OTAs, throughout training camp, throughout preseason, you know, and, and suddenly you get one week in, the team loses. You're like, this is hard, and I want out. And I'm, I know I'm a second-year player, but I just want out. Uh, go home. Yeah, well, uh, I, I think if if you take a look at the Dolphins roster, and this is what comes with tanking, because that's what the Dolphins are doing. Um, it, if there are several, there are going to be several players on the team that don't want to be here. But I, I'm disappointed that someone like Xavier Howard has really taken a liking and, and taken ownership of this rebuild and wants to be part of it where Minka does not. And I, again, I, I look at Minka and I think, okay, this is a player who in high school won everywhere that he went. And he went to Alabama and he won. And then he comes to Miami and he's part of, frankly, what's been a losing culture the last two years. That's a problem for it. But I, you know, I, I, part of me thinks too that the Dolphins, are not going to get a first-round pick for him. I think they're going to end up settling for a second-round pick because I don't know if there's any turning back right now with Megan Fitzpatrick. You know, there's a Jesse Davis quote from this week after the trade got requested where he basically came out and he said, look, I'm buying in on this. The, you know, what Miami is setting up to build, it, it could be really impressive for a decade. And wherever – Coach wants to play me. I will play. And I'm sorry, there's no one more out of position right now than Jesse Davis at left tackle. He is not a left tackle. And to hear him come out in the media and, and say this uh, is, is pretty telling of the fact to me. I can't see Jesse Davis coming out with the, I'll play wherever you want me to play immediately after Minka does this little tantrum, I'm going to call it. Because to me, it is a tantrum. It's, I didn't get my way. I don't like it, and we lost, so I'm going home. Um, and I'm sorry. I, I never thought I'd be sitting here in week two of the season saying I'm more impressed with Jesse Davis and his poise than I, I am with Minka's. Yeah, and Minka, the, a big part of the appeal with Minka when he came out of college was his character, was his versatility. Not necessarily that he was a great talent, even though he's a very talented player, but Man, it would burn if the Dolphins ended up taking, say, a second-round pick for Minka Fitzpatrick. Uh, I, I, that's, I don't think that's the case right now. 
I, I believe the Dolphins have gotten second round picks as offers and they've turned them down and that, that may stay that way. And maybe the situation gets reversed with Minka, but a lot of times they don't. But why it would burn, and I tweeted this, is if you're looking at a second rounder for Minka, keep in mind this is the same organization that turned Chris Chambers into, into Chad Henney in the second round. Pat Sertan into Matt Roth, Vontae Davis into Jamar Taylor, Jay Ajayi into Kalen Balaj, Olivier Vernon into Leonte Carew, Wes Welker into Samson Satelli. I mean, you, the list goes on and on. Uh, Jason Taylor into Pat White, Adewalia Gunley into, into Marty Booker and Channing Crowder. I mean, so it, it really would be trading – Minka Fitzpatrick and getting 50 cents on the dollar. I hope it does not come to that. So we'll see. Um, but we'll, so, it'll be an interesting storyline as we go along. But in terms of the motivation, Paul, you know, for a team that is this down and beaten, I like that players like Jesse Davis and Dan Kilgore are stepping up and saying, you know what, we want to be part of this. And if you're not here, I don't want you here. Or if you don't want to be here, I don't want you here. If, if there's a situation where the Dolphins are competitive, in this game against the Patriots. I don't expect them to be, but if they are, and Minka has a bad game or a so-so game or there are problems during the game, that that could that could be an interesting locker room after this contest. It really could. And, and honestly, I think there's one thing that we're overlooking here, and it's the absolute most important lesson that comes out of the past couple of weeks and, you know, the Laramie Tunsil trade and Minka requesting a trade. Um, and, and really this is a lesson that we should have been looking at for years. And I know we've touched on a few times. It's you need to stop buying jerseys, cat, please, please. Good God. You, you did, did you wear the Minka Jersey last week? I did. <laughs> I'm not joking. Oh. I did. And, oh. <laughs> So now uh, so, I've got one left, and it's Dan Marino uh, that <laughs> that I would actually for, wear. So yeah, I I, I actually can... please leave a comment. Let Cat know to stop. Please reinforce what I'm saying here. I mean, good God, run through your list, please, real quick, just your high level. Um, well, so so heading into this year, I thought you know what I might be might be turning this uh, ship around here because I've got Laramie Tunzel and I've got Minka Fitzpatrick. So. <laughs> That, well, I should be you good sure for at least a couple of years. Yeah, I, and <laughs> b- before that, I had let's see, what Dion Jordan, uh, Jonathan Martin, John, uh, the custom-made Jonathan Martin jersey before Ugh. the whole Bullygate nonsense uh, was the worst. Uh, got Carlos Dansby, Channing Crowder. Um, gosh, the, the the list goes on and on. Had a had a Tannehill jersey right after he signed his contract extension. He went down for. T- for two years after that. So, yeah, I, I think I can officially say that. Um, can you retire from Jersey purchases, please? Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see how much, uh, how much I got in my bank account after this game or after this podcast here. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that, Paul, with, with Minka. It's, I, I don't see this going away anytime soon. Let's take a further look at the game. And before that, actually two, two pieces of news, Julian Davenport has been placed on injured reserve as well as Jonathan Ledbetter and the Dolphins re-signed, and the jokes write themselves. Tank Carradine is back. I mean, now now this team is just rubbing it in. Embrace the tank. Come on now. Not only that, it it, it appears that Rashad Jones and Albert Wilson are also going to be ruled out or have been ruled out at the time you're listening to us. 
Yeah, yes, and yes, they have, and and so it looks like Minka is going to play that that strong safety role that he doesn't want to play. So we'll 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 see how that happens. And you know, the rest of the game here, it, you'll have. I mean, you'll have McCain and and Minka at safety. You'll have Xavier Howard and Eric Rowe at the corner spots. How the rest of the depth chart fills out will be interesting because you know the Patriots are going to go five wide quite a bit in this game because. You know, when you look at the depth chart, Antonio Brown's expected to play, at least at the time of this recording. Julian Edelman is a Pro Bowl receiver. Josh Gordon had a great first game, and it looks like he's going to be a big weapon if he can stay out of trouble. Also, Philip Dorsett, who's actually hurt the Dolphins a lot, the former Miami Hurricane, had a huge game last week with with two touchdowns against the Pittsburgh Steelers in a game where the Patriots won 33-3. So, I I'm very fearful in this game, Paul. And when I look start looking at these matchups, is a it's it's very unlikely the Dolphins are going to be able to generate a pass rush without sending a lot of people, and that's what you don't want to do against Tom Brady. But also, you're going to have matchups like Antonio Brown on Jamal Wiltz or um, you know Philip Dorsett lined up against uh, against Walt Aikens or, or Chris Lammons in this game. So I. It's it's it could be a field day for Tom Brady. It really could. I mean, Miami's only hope in this game, and and you know, I'm just going to touch on it briefly. Is much like Miami against the Ravens, much like Miami against the Houston Texans. For some reason, you know, nine times out of ten, it feels like no matter how much how superior Miami's roster has been to those teams at times. They just have a monkey on their back when they play that team or play those teams. In that same regard, for some reason, New England does seem to have a monkey on their back when they come down to South Florida. But that being said, New England has the far superior roster right now. I mean, the entire right half uh, with Carlson, uh, with with Wiltz and uh, Eric Rowe. Um, was absolutely abysmal last week. The fact that Rashad Jones is out in this one um, makes the secondary even more terrifying as a Dolphins fan. So really, you know, whoever Xavier Howard's covering covering is going to be about the only one that I'm um, feeling okay about. Yeah, and I'm hoping Chris Lannans can get on the field because when he got on the field last week, granted it was it was – in the second half when the game was out of reach, he was on the field for 14 plays and didn't have a pass caught against him and had a, uh, had a pass breakup too. I think he's got a good size speed makeup too. And it, he, he's the type of player you want to get on the field in a season like this and see what he has. Cause maybe at the end of the year, you're saying, Hey, th- this is a player that's, that we feel confident is going to be on the roster in 2020. So uh, I'm, I'll be looking for that defensively for the dolphins. Look, it was pathetic last week. 265 yards rushing from the Ravens, 59 points let up, perfect quarterback rating for Lamar Jackson. So I'm not going to say I'm going to give them a pass, but I'm interested to see what they do against a more traditional NFL offense this week. Because to me, it was pretty simple what, what occurred last week is the Ravens came out offensively and expected Lamar Jackson to run at least frequently and they should have that that was what we talked about in the show last week as what should have been the game plan stop Lamar Jackson on the ground make him throw except when he did throw 
everybody was open. That, that was the problem. But when you look at it too, Paul, Lamar Jackson heading into the game, the previous eight games, he ran the ball 128 times in eight games. He ran the ball 16 times a game. And one time he ran the ball 26 times the year before. So it wasn't a surprise. The big problem is that the defense did not adapt throughout the, the Ravens game. It was. And now that I've had a little time to digest it, it almost felt like they're like, okay, now that they got this big lead, we're going to see Lamar Jackson run the ball. Well, you know, we're going to see him shift to that. And they never did. They, they never did. Um, so hopefully this was a learning experience. I mean, we did expect Brian Flores to take a few lumps uh, as learning experience as well as head coach during this tank of a season. Um, so hopefully Miami does do a little bit more adapting this week, going against a more traditional offense. You're probably going to see them make a few more adjustments as the game goes on, uh, in a positive way, hopefully, whether they work or not. Yeah, I'm looking for hopefully Charles Harris can get something going here. I, I understood why he didn't get a lot of pressure last week. I mean, if, let's face it, the last two years he really hasn't, but has looked better in preseason and during training camp. Um, goes up against Isaiah Wynn, who will play his second NFL game, but he looked very good against the Steelers, the former first-round pick out of Georgia. But uh, Charles Harris needs to get more pressure, and hopefully maybe having Tank Carradine on the other side. Actually, you know what? I think Carradine's going to go up against Wynn, and then Charles Harris is going to go up against uh, against Marcus Cannon in this contest. So that they need to get a little bit more pass rush, and I think with Carradine in there and, and with a pocket quarterback, hopefully they can get a little bit a little bit more pressure on that. So that's the defensive side of the ball. Offensively, you know, in a season like this, getting players like Chris Lammons on the field and seeing Sam Aguavion hopefully add a lot more to the pass defense. Those are the strides we're at least looking to see here in, in 2019 on the offensive side of the ball. Same thing. I mean, I, I think the best thing last week and the most encouraging thing heading into this game is I really want to see what Preston Williams and Devonte Parker can do in the, in this game, especially against arguably the best secondary in the league. Devonte Parker, finally healthy, you know, had three catches for 75 yards last week with a great 49-yard catch. And Preston Williams was very, very close to having, you know, a 60-yard, two-touchdown performance. And these are talented outside boundary receivers that, you know, and, and again, in a season where you're looking to hang your hat on something, that's that's something hopefully you can hang your hat on heading into 2020 where maybe you don't have to go and get wide receivers. Completely. And uh, in that same vein, I want to see a little more Jakeem Grant in this one. I want to see him get rolling because he also is a completely different type of mismatch piece, but he is definitely a mismatch piece. Um, and, and really, I want to see Kenyon Drake coming out of the backfield and catching a few passes because you get him in space and he's absolutely lethal as well. Miami's got some weapons. It's just if they can scheme properly, like we talked about last week, to not be one-dimensional and, you know, put put the offensive line in even more of a position to fail. And that that definitely happened against the Ravens last week when Miami basically just abandoned the run, abandoned the screen game, and was trying to chuck the ball down the field with an offensive line that is not positioned well 
to defend against a defense that can just pin their ears back and go. Yeah, that, that's right. It's the Patriots' pass rush. You know, they've got Michael Bennett and Dietrich Wise on the outside. In the middle, we should we should see a lot of Danny Shelton and and Adam Butler and Lawrence Guy. These are more stop the run, inside out type of players, not like the you know Matt Judens that we saw last week against the Baltimore Ravens. So. I think that gives the Dolphins a little bit more of a chance. And I think that's why it is important, too, to get Kenyon Drake going and Kalen Balaj going. Get them running downhill a little bit get, so that offensive line can get a little bit more consistency. I mean, the offensive line is going to be outmatched by anybody they play, let's, let's face it, talent-wise. But I want to come out of this year saying, looking at players like Jesse Davis and – uh, Michael Dieter and, and maybe even Dan Kilgore and saying, Hey, we've got three startable pieces here heading into 2020. Yeah. And if Jamarcus Webb doesn't do his job when he gets out there, hopefully we get to see a little bit of Isaiah Prince. Um, as much as folks may or may not love him, as much as I know he needs to build some strength and hone his technique a little bit. I want to see a little bit of what we've got in this kid, um, especially when the Pats aren't necessarily a speed rusher type team. It's give him a chance to to get his feet right and get a little confidence if Jamarcus Webb doesn't do his job. Yeah, might as well. I mean, Isaiah Prince was inactive last week. So was Shaq Calhoun. So was Chris Reed. The Chris Reed one was the real surprising one to me because he played so well in preseason and he's got game day versatility at center and guard. That didn't make any sense. But if you're going to peel Jamarcus Webb off the street, this guy is uh, hes terrible. I mean, this is a player that started for the Seahawks and Colts four games over the last four years. He's been with four different teams. He hasn't been a starter since, gosh, 2014. And even then he was terrible with Chicago. You know, why not Isaiah Prince at this point? If he gets in there and he takes his lumps, fine. But those are the types of players I want to get here on the field in in 2019. At least start to see if they have anything. So let's see uh, the rest here. Um, I'm not sure if Josh Rosen's going to get into this game or not. I I hope he actually doesn't. Because what I want to see is when Josh Rosen actually gets in the game, for an extended period of time. I want that to be it. I want him to start the rest of the year. I want us to see what they have. And I don't think the Dolphins are in a position to do that now with their offensive line. No, they definitely need to get the offensive line settled before Rosen comes in. Um, You know, let old man Fitzpatrick take the bumps and bruises and and what have you. There's going to be enough of those even once they get the offensive line settled. There completely is. It's, you know, even when they get settled, they don't have the full-blown talent on this offensive line to be, we're going to go with very good, but at least they could be decent um, if they get settled and they build some cohesion together. Right now, it's a patchwork mess that's plug-and-play along that line, and I don't want to put Rosen anywhere near that. Knock on wood, this is a game where I could see the offensive line playing better uh, for that very reason. I mean, especially if you get the running game going, because th- this is more of a gap and contain type of Patriots defense, not one that pins their ears back a lot and tries to get to the quarterback. So either way, they're outmatched, but hopefully things can look a little bit better. So Paul, uh, you know, this, even though the Patriots, like I said, have been a, a house of horrors in Miami when they've played, 
19 point Patriots. Uh, <laughs> Patriots are favored by 19 points in this contest. I I look for them to cover, albeit barely. I've got them winning 37 to 17. You know, I, I, my hope is that at least for parts of this game, hopefully the first half of this game, given how things happened last week, the Dolphins can be at least somewhat competitive, and we can you know head into the third quarter thinking, hey, you know what? You never know if if they can they can get a couple of big plays. But I think then the Patriots turn on the gas in the third and fourth quarter and end up winning this game 37-17. Yeah, it's like I touched on earlier. I mean, the Pats do have some bad juju that no matter who you are, it does get in the back of your head a little bit um, playing in Miami. So if by some miraculous turn of events, Miami can keep it close, um, then I think Miami can pull it out. But in all likelihood, this is going to be an absolute bloodbath. Uh, and, you know, I think Miami will score, but I, I think the Pats win and win big. And, and I'm not even going to throw numbers on it, but probably a 20-point win for the Patriots. 20-point win. Got it. So, Well, I'm going to ask you to throw numbers on it. So are we thinking 41-21, to 21, or are we thinking – 23 to 20 or 23 to three. I'll just, I'll, I'll actually, you, you know what? You, you, you went 20 points. So I'll tie, I'll sit right along with you at 37, 17. All right. Were you one of those kids that cheated off the person next to you in, in school? No, I got cheated off of actually most of the time. Oh, wow. So well, actually I was that person. So anyway, um, <laughs> I, that will do it for our breakdown of the Patriots dolphins matchup. Here heading into Sunday after the game, we're likely to be saying two down, 14 to go as this season continues. But again, we're going to be here every week. We're going to preview the game. We're going to wrap up the game. We're going to look for bright spots, but we're also going to tell you the truth. And that will do it for our breakdown. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and on Spotify. Leave us some comments. Uh, Tell us what you want to see, what questions you want answered, and, and segments you may be interested in seeing as we continue this season because we may be looking for a little bit something to di- different to do in a season like this and if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side it is on the fin side so do you take us home it ain't the left side or the right side and it must be the fin side, side. it ain't the left, left side, side or the right, right side. side and it must be the fin side Listen, Dolphins fans across the land all tuning in to see what Brian Cat and Paul about to do again. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.